0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. This is an experience that happened to me many years ago. I remember lots of things about it. I remember it's two cars. I was part of a two-car convoy and for the most part I was in the second car and It was pre-air conditioning day Or at least if you wanted air conditioning You had to get it installed after sale on most average cars We were driving in two HK Holdens For those who can remember the old HK Windows were down Clouds of dust were billowing through the car for most of the time I remember the huge bumps and jars to to the spinal system As we seemed to hit every single pothole And there were stacks of them I remember the punctures in this particular stretch of road. Both cars had at least two punctures. We had to stop and change the tyres and so on. It was a hot, dry, very unpleasant journey. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the stretch of the Nullarbor Plain, which in 1975 still had, according to our resident statistician, Dave Solomon, still had almost 500 kilometres of dirt road. All on the South Australian side, Michael, West Australia, they had done the right thing, they had the bitumen right up to the border. But in South Australia, and this was back in my theological college days, and we were taking a group of students over to Western Australia on what was called deputation, you know, kind of flying the flag for the college, trying to raise money, looking for prospective trainee candidates, and so on. And so we'd set off from Melbourne and then we'd hit this nullable plain stretch, nearly 500 kilometres of dirt road. A lot of it just track in these two Holdens. Not air-conditioned, a couple of faculty members as well, so we had to behave ourselves. Uh, And it was just crazy. Uh, Times were just down to a crawl. You know, It kind of raises the question, I guess, what has been your experience of the desert? By the way, who's done that drive? Who did that drive? Who who did that drive? Oh, my gosh, Dave Solomon, Leslie, when it was dirt, Oh, when it was bitumen, anybody could, look, when it was dirt, it took a certain kind of raw courage and, and, and sort of spirit of adventure. And like you, well, anybody do it dirt? No. David did. Okay, fantastic, Dave. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what's been your experience of the desert? Have you lived in the desert or near the desert? Have you traveled in the desert very much? Have you got a, a desire to go to the desert to do a, a camel trek through the Sahara or drive or ride in the Dakar rally? anybody got a, I mean the desert the desert regions of the world have always been a source of, of, of fascination and intrigue for for people, despite them being very dangerous, foreboding and being places of isolation and And loneliness in the Middle Ages, of course, the monks, men and women, maybe men, went out into the desert places of the world to establish monasteries and to get in touch with God in new, so they thought, new and fresh, uninhibited sort of ways. In Israel, there's a place which to this day, the ruins are there of a community that's way out in the desert. And uh, this place was where a group of people in the century before the time of Jesus and during the first century gathered to practice their version of the Jewish faith in a very strict and very orthodox way. It's called the Qumran community. Uh, Does anybody know from your knowledge of history and your knowledge of Israel what else they would have been doing in that Qumran community apart from praying and bathing? There are a lot of pools there. Writing. Loretta, go straight to the gift shop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Writing, because in the Qumran community, they were diligently copying the Old Testament scriptures, what we know as the Old Testament, and then putting them into big cylinders and hiding them in the caves surrounding Qumran. And of course, in 1948, it was in that community where they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. So here in our reading from Isaiah 43, the children of Israel are in a desert place. That's the best way to describe it. But it's not an isolated, sandy, windswept location. In fact, they're being held captive in a very sophisticated, very modern city for that time, the city of Babylon. That's the historical setting for Isaiah 43. The 70-year period in which the Jewish nation, or many thousands of them, were being held captive in the city of Babylon. It went for 70 years. Years, Yes, Babylon, like all of those ancient cities, would have been surrounded by, by desert. But the desert being experienced by the Israelites was more of an emotional, more of a, a spiritual desert. They were in a foreign land. They were not able to practice their faith in the way that they loved and cherished. They were separated from their beloved temple in Jerusalem. They were thinking pretty much all the time, has God totally abandoned us? What's going on? Their melancholy mood is beautifully expressed, powerfully expressed in Psalm 137. Many of you know this psalm so well. Look at this. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down. There we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows nearby, we hung up our harps. Those who captured us told us to sing. They told us to entertain them. Sing us a song about Zion. How can we sing a song to the Lord in a foreign land? May I never be able to play the harp again if I forget you, Jerusalem. May I never be able to sing again if I do not remember you, if I do not think of you as my greatest joy. That's how they were feeling. Totally isolated totally abandoned, abandoned, a real spiritual desert experience. And then, then, in the midst of all of this depression and dejection, uprises the prophet Isaiah with this strong word from the Lord, I will make a road through the desert and give you streams of water there. Now, friends, it's a clear reference to their impending release from captivity, but I believe also it's a reference to the fact that God was providing a way for them to better manage, better handle, better cope with the spiritual desert they were experiencing at that time. And I love the certainty. I love the resounding conviction, the, the absolute guarantee they'll be given a roadway through the desert, not skirting around it, not going over it, not going under it, through the desert, now, that's in a nutshell, that's the message. That's the message I believe God wants us to hear this morning in a nutshell. Whatever the desert experience you may be going through, and some of you are going through desert experiences right now in various forms, I know that. And it's carried over from last year. And even the hype of Christmas, New Year hasn't really, hasn't really brought resolution for you. Irrespective of the desert experience you may be having now or the one you will encounter in the coming months and, and, and do, as, this, as this year unfolds, uh, God will get you through. He's going to get you through your desert, your wilderness experience. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but that's a message I find incredibly reassuring. <laughs> like, I find that that gives me such great confidence, that, that really boosts my sense of optimism. As I move into 2014, fantastic. I mean, let's be honest about this. Let's be really honest. Desert experiences are an inevitable and necessary part of our faith journey. I mean, from a biblical perspective, it's amazing. It's amazing when you consider what takes place in the desert. Because most actual desert experiences are representative of a spiritual desert that's taking place in the lives of the people who find themselves in a physical desert. I mean, a couple of examples children of Israel, 40 years wandering in the desert, a time of discovery for them, a time of learning. A time of understanding more about God's ways. Certainly a time of, of learning the lessons of obedience. A difficult time, but a time of preparation. What about David? David spent a lot of time in the desert as a fugitive from King Saul. This is all recorded in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And then later, when his son Absalom tries to build a rebellion in the, in the, in the kingdom, he's out in the desert again. And all of this... Harsh though it was, all preparation for him assuming the role of one of Israel's greatest kings. And then there's a the messianic prophecy which we've heard many times. It's coming out of Christmas. We heard it in the lead up to Christmas and over Christmas. That great messianic prophecy from Isaiah 40 verse 3. A voice cries out. Where does the voice cry from? Not, not in the bright city. With all the flashy lights where everything is exciting and racy. No. It doesn't say prepare the way from the top of the beautiful mountain where the view is fantastic and everything is beautiful and rosy. No. It says a voice cries out, prepare in the wilderness. Clear the way. In the wilderness rather, prepare a road for the Lord. Clear the way in the desert for our God. You see friends, the Messiah was coming. To redeem the brokenness of humanity. He's coming, so the prophet says, to move directly into the desert experiences of people's lives. To bring hope and salvation and freedom. Think of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where was he? At the very beginning of his ministry, immediately following his baptism. 40 days and 40 nights. Not down on the Melfi Coast or on Santorini, uh, in the desert, in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, having the very foundations of his Messiahship shaken to the core with the severity of these temptations. But, of course, our Lord came through victoriously. A roadway of deliverance was provided for him, a roadway in the desert, and he was able to travel on that road because of his submission and obedience to his heavenly Father. Back to the key verse of this series. Watch for the new thing. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do, says the Lord. And friends, in preparation for this message, and it was helped with the, with the uh, Super Connect group on Wednesday night, I got to thinking, you know, the new thing God loves doing the most is not all that new after all. Let me say that again. The new thing God loves doing the most is not... All that new after all. Oh, yes, he does it in new ways. But in reality, it's just God being himself, just God being true to his nature. You see, the new thing God has done and continues to do through Christ is to provide roadways that take us through the desert experiences of life. That's it. Just about every verse of hope, of comfort, of guidance of reassurance that you can name in the Scriptures comes back to this central theme of the Gospel. What God has done is doing through Christ in terms of providing a roadway through the desert. Starting with obvious ones like Proverbs 3.6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will direct your paths. What about Isaiah 58 verse 11? The Lord will guide you always. There's that reference to guidance again. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Some versions say in the desert. He'll satisfy your needs. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And over in the New Testament, let's just take a couple of selections. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, no desert experience is going to hold me back because ultimately I'm going to have victory through Christ. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, there's a roadway right there. He says, in all things, we have complete victory through him who loves us. There's another roadway, ultimately, to get us through any wilderness or desert experience. And the words of Jesus, look at these. Come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I'll give you rest. <laughs> now, there's a pathway. There's a pathway out of the desert of despair and dejection, if ever I saw one. If the sun makes you free, you will be free indeed. No follower of Jesus Will forever have to stay in the parched, arid conditions of slavery to sin. Just won't happen. If the sun makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Here's a third one I'm the light of the world. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying, My pathway, my robeway provides illumination for every situation of life. Including those moments when you feel you're trekking through a dark, lonely, foreboding desert with no apparent pathway. I'm the light of the world. Those who follow me ultimately will not walk in darkness. They may for a time. But ultimately they will have and see and experience the light of life. That's how it is. Friends, you see the pattern emerging here? That's the new stroke old thing God is always doing. That's the new stroke, old thing he's always doing. And even providing refreshment and renewal along the way. Because let's recall that that's the second part of the promise here in Isaiah 43. I will make a road through the desert and give you streams of water there. Friends, I'll, I'll agree it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of spiritual discernment to trace God's refreshment and renewal in the midst of harsh desert type experiences but when we start to see when we start to really see what God is doing then our movement along that roadway through the desert is accelerated that's that's how God works I know many of you like like me can testify to those moments when in the midst of a dry patch In the midst of a a really arid patch in your Christian journey, you're passing through a period of uncertainty, doubt, fear, loneliness, whatever. Whatever the desert landscape might have been or might be for you. And then God shows up. And there's that unexpected contact from somebody. It just surprises you and it 's so enriching and it 's so strengthening, or you, you read a few lines out of a book, or you see something on the internet, or a particular verse of scripture suddenly comes alive in a new way, or, 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 or a line from a song suddenly impacts you in a, in a particular way, or, or the preacher says something that resonates with you in your situation. You look back on a journal that you, a journal entry you may have made if you 're into journaling some years back, even. And all of a sudden the light goes on. Yeah, that, that's what happened then. Wow, why am I fearful now? That kind of thing. God shows up in my own life and in the lives of hundreds I've spoken to over the years. The streams of refreshment come in many different ways. Not always in a flood or a torrent, rarely that way. Often just one drip at a time. But they do come. The bottom line is we need to be available to receive that refreshment. That's the bottom line. I mean, you've got to be around his people. You've got to be in the word, tough and all as it is. You've got to remain connected to God in prayer, tough and all as that is. You've got to keep doing life with these people, tough and all as that is sometimes. And that can be a challenge even when things are going well, let alone in the desert times. For this reason, I, knowing the toughness, knowing the toughness of hanging on in the desert times I love the way in which this passage from Isaiah 43 guys read that read this passage this week friends it's so much in this I love the way that there are a series of little phrases that seem to pop up like like road signs for the roadway for the for the journey that God is talking about they're little signs that just seem to pop up to to help us find the road and help us to stay on the road let me refresh your memory because they come up in the reading which Anita read here's the first one do not cling it's very easy to hold on the past and even use that as a reason for not moving forward. And at the beginning of a new year, I think everybody, myself included, has to really do a bit of a stock take, an emotional stock take. As we move into a new year, is it time to let certain things, particularly in the area of grievances and conflict, is it time to let certain things go? New year provides that sort of opportunity. Do not cling to the past. And, of course, it refers also to memory. You know, all oh, the way we've always done it. Or I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, do not cling to the past. That's not a sufficient excuse for not moving forward when God says move. It's not going to get you on a God's roadway for the new thing. Here's the next thing. Watch for the new thing. Watch for the new thing. God, God really jumps in our pathway and, and sort of in an overt, unmistakable way. He does sometimes, but... That's more, uh, more, the, more the exception. I said a moment ago, You know, it takes spiritual discernment, eyes wide open, eyes wide open to see what in fact he is up to. And that's linked to this next phrase. It is happening already. It's happening already. Friends, that's going to affect your prayer life. That's going to affect my prayer life. Is your prayer life based on, please, 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 or is it based on, thank you, thank you, thank you? You see, if, if you're majoring on that latter form of prayer, that attitude of gratitude, then when it comes to answers and evidence of God's hands, most times you can see it now. Most times you can see it now. God's influence in your situation will be evident and you'll see it. And even when you can't see the hand of God, as we often say here at Northside, when you can't see the hand of God, you'll know to trust the heart of God. Because there are those times when you just can't see the hand of God. But you know to trust the heart of God. He's got your interests ultimately at heart. Well, God's new thing for some of us will be a continuation, a continuation of his old thing. That is of providing a roadway through the desert experiences of life. But for some of us, 2014 may well be the year when more than ever, more than ever, you will experience, you'll be aware and grasp daily this magnificent promise from our great God. I will make a road through the desert and give you streams of water there. Now, friends, as I said before, I know that 2013 was a very difficult, harsh year for numbers of you. And some of those things continue over into this new year. But where the rubber meets the road is in this area of the provision of a road through the desert. It's our faith. It's what it's all about. It's not easy to cling to that belief sometimes. But therein lies the secret to walking with God in a powerful, enriching, victorious way. Just, and that's why we need each other. That's why we need to be forming relationships through which God can speak. Relationships built on trust. Relationships built on vulnerability. They take time. In a church like this one where we promote friendships at that level through connection groups and now more than ever through Sundays... It's going to be great to just develop that sort of closeness and then accountability and getting back into the word and prayer and so on. Look, that Nullarbor Plain experience could have ruined me with deserts for life, right? I mean, that was pretty hard going. We laughed about that for years afterwards, some of the experiences we had out there, places like Euclid and, gosh, you know, another world. Um, But, you know, I've seen another form of the desert. And the Americans do something we don't do they build great cities in the middle of the desert, right? (laughs) Am I right? Las Vegas, Phoenix, Arizona. These are places that, you know, in other countries, you just wouldn't build a city there. And so many, many times over the years, I've had my faith in desert travel restored because many, many times on that leadership trip I do every couple of years, I've driven the road between Los Angeles and Phoenix. It's about a six and a half hour drive. It's real arid country, real desert country, They've got a dual-lane freeway on both sides. <laughs> and a huge, about a 100-metre median strip between both sides, the chances of head-ons removed totally. Still have accidents, but the head-on is totally impossible. And, and look, you can still get off the road, and you can still get a bit lost if you choose to get off the road, but knowing there's a roadway there, Knowing there's a freeway there, knowing that that road, once you're on that road, will get you to that destination and the trip will be, for the most part, I'm not suggesting that life with Jesus is like a freeway, not for one moment, but the knowledge that the pathway is there, the roadway is there, it's fantastically reassuring. So how's it going to be for 2014 for you and for me? The promise of God is I will build a roadway in the desert. I will build through, <coughs> through the desert. You will suffer some things because the desert's like that. It's pretty tough. But my roadway goes through it and it comes out the other side. Wow. Thanks be to God. Let's bow and pray, shall we?